Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Film Bros Championship Podcast. I am Tim, and with me is my co-host, Patrick. How you doing, buddy? The box. You opened it. We came. <laughs> Hellraiser! Yeah! <laughs> I that, love is, these movies. Is that how the song goes? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that was a that was a fun surprise at the end of the movie. I I wish I was more familiar with Ozzy Osbourne's discography because I was so excited. I thought like this was an original song that Motorhead came up with for the movie, and I was like, oh no no, this is something Ozzy Osbourne came out with years ago, and they just covered it. It's like, damn it, yeah. <laughs> but if you haven't, if you took the time to watch the music video, it's worth watching. I did not watch the music video. No, yeah. I missed out on that one. Yeah. Um, but I was just it, jaw directed open by Clive when... Barker. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Pinhead has like a game of chess with Lemmy from Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, and maybe we'll get to it in villain, but there are some great moments. But I, I don't. Maybe it's not as modulated in this one. Because I think he sounds better in in some of the, you know, first two. You know what I mean? Like that line you said to start us off, right, for the first one. The box, we opened it, you came. Yeah, we came, yeah, exactly. You opened it, we came. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I just think it sounds a little bit better. I don't know. Uh, I don't I, know. I, so what, what was your overall impressions, Tim, of Hellraiser 3? Let's just go off the bat. You know, just real you're, general you're really, brief. You just want to know. I do. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because I think I ended up liking it more than I was thinking. Yeah! Yes! Yes! There Welcome! There some, like, Jim Carrey vibes in Ace Ventura there. I am so excited. I was sure you are going to be angry at me when you finished watching this. Um, no, don't get me wrong. It's not... It's not amazing by any stretch, um, no. but but I currently I'm not gonna give you my my official thing, but um, I I have it at, at like around in the top five currently. Okay, all right, yeah, we're it's definitely gonna have different have scores in this, um, but because I'm I'm definitely higher on this movie. Mm. It is it's funny. I I definitely have this as like the third ranked uh, Hellraiser movie. It, they they. they um, but I, I, I goddamn, I do love it. It's so much fun because Doug Bradley gets to eat in this movie. It's weird because it's when I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, which I know is is kind of ridiculous and bad. Sure lot, is. But um, I thought it was interesting that it is it is scored higher three than two. Well, that's no. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I and I I was looking at some of it. I think like two. It seemed to lose a lot of people being in the, you know, the other dimension, the other side, and the hell dimension or whatever. Like, yeah. I think that was, it just kind of lost too many people there. Oh. Uh, so I think, yeah, I know. Cause I'm like, uh, I, two is actually my favorite. <laughs> two is probably my favorite as well. I, it probably yeah. would go two, one, three, four. Yeah. I think that's correct. Although I've not seen four, but yeah. Uh, trust me. Uh, but, <laughs> I believe because you said to me that they all go direct to video after three, right? After four. Oh, after four. Okay. Four is the last one in theaters. Uh, and that was ninety six, right? I don't like that the year. Okay. But yeah, it's not sure. I was trying. To- um, Hellraiser Bloodline. Hmm. Hellraiser goes to space before any of them. <laughs> oh man! Wow. Yeah, it's a fascinating movie. <laughs> um, 
It's like it, this show. I've seen, this is my second time, second or third time seeing Hellraiser three, and I have seen the flaws so much clearer than ever before in this movie. But I also my love has grown deeper at the same time. You can appreciate it more for uh, the, the stuff positives. I don't like really doesn't work. The stuff I that works I love so much. This 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 franchise is so unique to this to horror. You yeah. know, it's not a slasher really. It's yeah, not, not a haunted house movie. It's not, you know, it's something else. You know, these are demons who come uh <laughs> who think they're helping you out. They think that pain is the same as pleasure. So when they're ripping off your skin, they think that's pleasurable. Like we're just here to help, bro. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's fun stuff. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really um it's just weird, distorted take on BDSM, which is not yeah, a kink I have, but I still find all, it endlessly yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's 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 I don't know. It's like almost what you would imagine. Like, this is what if hell really came. This is the kind of messed up stuff that they would put you through, type of stuff. Sure. Yeah. And it's um. <laughs> I guess. I guess it's messed up, right? Yeah. Is, I I'm I'm curious. When does Itchy the Killer come out? I you remember? No, no, I don't. Did you ever see that movie? I don't think I did actually. Okay, because that's another one that kind of messed up, and I'm curious. Uh, Two thousand one. Okay, I'm curious if that movie had any influence. Um, Not on uh, Hellraiser, but well, no, I mean like it, it was influenced by the Hellraiser movies, is what I'm kind of getting at. Because there's like people hanging from chains and stuff like that, and in, in it, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I never saw it. It's from that's from the same director as Audition. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's, I have to revisit it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't think I've ever... It's, it, Japanese horror is so hit or miss for me. Yeah. You know, you know, sometimes you'll get something like Audition, and I'm like, oh, hell yes. And then sometimes yeah. you'll get Ringu, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Absolutely yeah, I, not. I can't like do that. that. I hate... I, it's, I don't like The Ring. Or, Neither do I. Or The Ring 2, and I didn't bother to see Rings. Didn't see Ring 2. They were improvements over Ringu, which I was like, get the hell out of here with this. This is terrible. I remember I, I remember not being the person for the ring when like I saw it in the movie theater and there's that part where the the horse, horse yeah. go, bucks crazy on the ship and just jumps off and like hits the side and then goes off and I start cackling laughing in the movie theater I thought it was so funny and everybody else is like sucked in this is the scariest thing and here I am laughing and everybody looking at me so I was like Okay, maybe we're on different wavelengths with this movie. I, yeah. not, I don't belong here. I don't know. When I, if I'm going to watch a horror movie, I'd rather watch the Koreans or the Italians. The Japanese just bounce off me most of the time. Sometimes it works, but yeah. this one, not so much. I didn't dig The Grudge either. Was that also Jap- yeah. Japanese? Yeah. I didn't yep. dig that one either. I never saw the Japanese original or the American I think that was, that was one that I'd say, yeah, it was a little bit better. But maybe I'm just a sucker for Sarah Michelle Gellar, so I don't know. Mm, it's possible. <laughs> Sounds likely. So, so this is my pick, yes? This is your pick. That's right, it is. I this is, I, yeah, I chose this. I did this. Mm. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess I don't need to go into the other ones, but anyway, there is this box, and if you open said box, it opens a dimension to a hell dimension kind of a deal. And so basically, somebody, JP, uncovers a... A piece of art that is, has this box 
and it unleashes hell. But the problem this time is you're having a hell demon that's no longer bind to hell's laws. So he is really going to town and we got to figure out how to put him back in the box. Boom. Movie. Bravo, Tim. That's thank you. Outstanding. I love the great work job. I <laughs> flexing over here. I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> Come a long way. Sure have. Yeah. All right. So our hero. Ugh. That is the correct noise. Oh my gosh. All right. So don't get me wrong, because there there are times, and it's really the the latter half of the movie, correct. where they do have her deliver some lines, and she delivers them really well. But you have to get through a lot of awful to get to these few times where she delivers a nice line. Okay, so Terry Farrell is in a very attractive woman. Very attractive yeah. woman. Yeah. Uh, and she she has done very good work on Star Trek Deep Space Nine as, uh, I oh, forget wow. which Dax she was. She was Dax. She was... Uh, sure. Jadzia Dax, sorry. I never messed with the Star Trek shows. I like the movies. Never, I went never watch show. Fair enough. So I, that, that's, I have no idea. That's what she did after this. She got to okay. be on Star Trek for like six years. I guess that's better than a soap. So, Good yeah. Um, so I, I know she's not bad at acting. So this is really just—it's not a well-written part at all. Yeah. Basically, this this character exists only to move plot along. Yeah. There's not there's nothing there there. There's no there there, you know, with this whole thing. Yeah. So you just like, For whatever reason, she is determined to uncover the story and you don't really know why. Cause I guess cause she needs to be taken seriously. I guess that's kind of what it is, but that's that's about it. Yeah. Her her, her characterization in this movie is thin. Thinner yeah. than I, it's, it's they bad. they try to bring up this like I'm traumatized that my dad died before I was even freaking born thing, which was kind of weak. And then and the I guess the only reason that is in the movie is for her to get tricked at the very end of the movie. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. that's it. Yeah, and it's just—it's not the movie they originally intended to make. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, so they have a new director in this one. Um, okay. It was originally supposed to be directed by the guy who directed the second movie, uh, Tony Randall. Okay. And uh, Peter Atkins and Tony Randall wrote and directed the second movie, and they wrote the third movie, intending to direct the third, this one as well. Uh, but me, the original producers of the, the Hellraiser franchise went bankrupt and it got bought up by new people who got the distri- distribution through Miramax. Mm. They didn't trust Tony Randall. They didn't like his bleak original script. Uh, so they had Peter Atkins, the co-writer, rewrite the thing and they hired a new director, Tony Wilcox, who had done um, the Waxwork movies. Okay, okay. Who, which were horror comedies. Uh, <laughs> which Clive Barker was like, um, I don't like this at all. Yeah, you're kind of missing everything. <laughs> yeah, and like they had, he had to have like a conversation with Tony Wilcox and everything like that. And Tony Wilcox had to assure him, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna make this silly. Don't worry, it's not my, my intent. Um, <laughs> but uh, they definitely, they had to rewrite some things. Uh, yeah, they had because originally this ending was going to, this movie was going to end with. Uh, you know, everything was basically the same. The CD head uh, Cenobite wasn't there. The Barbman Cenobite wasn't there. Can't we talk about that one. Thank God I love them both. I'm glad they're here. <laughs> uh, and the ending was going to be her um, getting up on, you know, Pinhead, but then the, him brokering a deal where she becomes his bride in exchange for uh, 
career success, which would have made sense with the character they're setting up in the beginning of the movie. Right. You know, this ambition that she has, but they kind of just... It goes away. It totally goes away and just becomes a you don't hear about it again after after that kind of intro thing, like basically almost right after you meet her, or maybe a little bit after the other thing. Yeah, I guess it's um, when he's talking to the editor dude or something. I was like the last time it's brought up. Yeah, basically after that guy tells her you got to show more skin if you want to get further. Which I want to do it the right way. Every time there's a scene with the editor dude or the camera guy. Yeah. It is real bad dialogue and acting. <laughs> like everybody's doing a horrifically bad job, and 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 cameraman guy who ends up becoming a Cenobite later um, <laughs> is particularly awful. I think he was a friend of one of the producers, Ken Carpenter. Yeah, because he doesn't like act again. Like I was looking, I'm like, who has this guy done anything else? Because this is rough. They liked his look. Ugh. So he, I'll give it to him. He looked like a guy who could be holding a camera professionally. Yeah, <laughs> being behind the camera, sure. Um, anyway, we should it's probably bizarre. get more details. Yeah. Our hero is Joey Summerskill. Oh, that's the last name? What a weird last name. Okay. Yeah, I know. It seems like something like an Englishman would write for an American. Right. Uh, <laughs> she's a television reporter, and she's frustrated she hasn't gotten her big break yet. Yeah. And the movie opens as she is sent to a hospital ER to cover a typical night, but nothing actually happens. Yeah. And her cameraman is, gets called away, and she witnesses an event that we'll go into later. And yeah. she's desperate to find an explanation for, hoping it might be the story she's been waiting to give her this break. Yeah, and her only lead is this one girl who brought this person in. Yeah. But runs away. So mm. she's got to find, find this girl. And uh, boy, does she make herself known to everybody to find out where this girl is. Yeah. So Joey is still at work to get ahead. She needs to start dressing more provocatively and shows more skin. But she wants to do it the right way and be a real reporter. So she goes to the club she heard about during the event from that girl that you mentioned. And it is the most ridiculous club of all time. Oh, yeah. How many different parts and sections of this club? It's insane. <laughs> At least three. So the it's like, size and scope. Uh, yeah, I, it's the mass. It, considering this movie is supposed to be set in New York City, yeah. Which so the size of this club is just beyond hilarious. Yeah, it's insane. And at one point, <laughs> right, you she goes into this club, and it's this it's one type of atmosphere, like a, she's, a dance goth club. Yeah, she's pointed to it that she needs to go to this other section, and then it's like a. A different kind of club, a heavy metal very, dance club. Yeah, it's very simple. It's weird, and then it's like, oh no, he's at the restaurant or whatever, and then he's all of a sudden she's in a fine dining restaurant with like, like violins playing and everything. Yeah, it's completely so different weird. atmosphere. It's like, what is happening? And like considering the size of this real estate in New York, yeah. this club would be worth like a billion dollars. It's just like well, get the hell out of here. It is so laughable. <laughs> I mean, we have to talk about it. Why not now, right? So this is filmed where the area which we currently live in, and it's doubling as New York City. And it, at the first shot of it is like clearly like Greensboro, and with, <laughs> with storefronts you've probably seen a thousand times in Winston too. And you see this horrible. It looks like Dick Tracy. But but done for real, you know. Dick Tracy had a style yeah, of the aesthetic, yeah, the That's matte the whole background, thing. yeah. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, this looks awful. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. 
So the the very first scene in this movie, we see uh, the club owner JP going into an art gallery or whatever. Yeah. And as he's driving up, we see the skyline, like you mentioned, and we see the side of the building, the art building he's going into, and it says Dixie on the side of the building. I promise I you, that. you're oh. never seeing a building anywhere in New York City that says Dixie anywhere near it. No chance. It looks like too, like a lot of like that street still looks like that. And I think I, pyramid sh- whatever is still on it. On the I'm glass. Sh- yeah, I think that looks like something either in Greensboro or High Point. Yeah. It's very It's funny. Greensboro. I I had a I I will Art Gallery? And, okay. Oh yeah. The Art Gallery is Greensboro. I totally got mixed up the the ending sequence at first. I was like, oh my gosh, that's Winston, because I saw the sign that says East Market Street. But then I was but then I looked into it and I was like, oh, I didn't realize there's a Market Street in Greensboro as well. Yeah, so no, that's the Winston Greensboro. scene was at the construction site. Yeah, which is Wake Forest, which yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Wake <laughs> Forest University. <laughs> Who would have known? Go deep. And I guess the uh, the field for a lot of the uh, war stuff and explosions was a field somewhere near Winston too. Oh really? Okay, I didn't catch yeah. that part. I, but I, it didn't I'm, give. It didn't give it. It said field near Winston is all it said. Okay, I think the. Uh, the the club was all in like a an X factory in High Point, probably like an X fact furniture factory. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> there's a YouTube video of a guy going around mostly Greensboro and kind of showing this is where they did this one, this is where they did this. Okay, okay, nice. <laughs> but yeah, not so, New York at all. That's really no. funny. <laughs> so she 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 asks asks around this club, uh, see if anyone's seen a pretty girl with dark hair. Yeah, Jesus what Christ, a what a description. Oh my God, yeah. And like she's only, like yay high dark hair pretty uh, and like the, at least the only one who calls her as a DJ is like that's not helping yeah because <laughs> it's like almost everybody in this club is dressed like this yeah. looks like this yeah somehow uh, she gets the tip that she may be talking about the club owner's girlfriend she goes to talk to the club owner JP and he tries hitting on her and she yeah. says she's probably too old for him oh burn yeah but it was. I, I you're almost giving too much credit to how bad the line was too, because it was it was like some kind of like juvenile comment. I gotta look it up now. I know <laughs> it was so bad. Okay, well you some, you keep talking. I'm out of figure. grade school or something, but all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm out of grade school. I'm not your type. I think that's what it was. Yeah, about, right. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> so. uh Joey apparently has regular nightmares of her watching her dad getting killed and left behind in Vietnam. Um, right. Turns out she never knew him. It's weird yeah. too. She's wearing this bizarre nightgown with like this giant, yeah. it's like this white nightgown that sort of pushes up her tits, but then she has like this giant like white bow. I don't know what they're trying to do with this nightgown. I don't know, but they they mostly it, that's probably the most provocative she ever looks in the entire movie she's very, yeah no, very clothed yeah whoever decided to dress her in this movie the costume designer for her yeah should be brought up on war crimes it is bizarre like how like matronly she yeah. looks throughout like the whole movie she looks like she should be doing some gospel at times or something yeah i mean this this woman yeah. is like 28 years old and you're making her look like she's dressing like she's 54 like right. what is going on yeah <laughs> It's weird. It's it definitely a weird time. And this this nightgown is like is like like you said it's like the most provocative thing she wears, but it's also infantilizing. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, good. 
Yeah, uh, and I'm going to bounce around because, like I said, there's not much going on with her. It's not much. Yeah, because then you have to start talking about... Uh, yeah, I don't want to just repeat the, plot. Uh, right, and so, you want, you're you going to talk about the the you know the girl that she ends up finding because there's a lot of scenes between the two of them. Yeah, and she's infinitely more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so eventually these nightmares get intercepted by Captain Elliot Spencer, Pinhead's human soul. They got split from Pinhead in the second movie. Yeah, and- which I didn't realize it was. A, I guess you kind of figure that out later. I didn't realize it was like a, a split, but okay. Yeah, well, he he gives her a straight up rundown of the first yeah. two movies. <laughs> he, yeah, he is exposition every time he comes in. Yeah, but yeah, him and uh, a videotape that she finds later on of Kiersey from the first two movies explaining the plot. It's yeah, like breaking it all down. Like, oh, here's what you need to know. Like, cool. I know. Ah, uh, man, there was like a point too where like. She get, it gets explained to her like and and Kirstie's like it just wants to be open, and then it like cuts to that the other girl in the apartment in the box. I'm like, oh, here it goes, here it goes. Oh, nothing happens. Oh, this <laughs> it was like a big letdown moment. Well, it's it's funny because like every time someone opens the lem- the lament configuration in any of these movies, it opens the door to hell. Right. But in this movie, the hell is already on Earth, hence the title Hell on Earth. Right. Uh, so, like, the opening the box actually would bring uh, Pinhead back to hell. Right. It binds him back to hell and hell's laws and such. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so it becomes really the concluding thing to do. It's, yeah. It's, it's very much like a little twist on, on the Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Uh, so, Joey gets a call from Terry, the girl she's been looking for, uh, and promises to tell her everything she knows if she gives her a place to stay for the night. And Joey says yes, which is fucking wild like yeah i don't know you you want to stay here why didn't you give her a hotel room is very giving right away because like throughout the whole movie she's like yeah stay here stay however long you want it's like uh what's and like clearly must have been giving her clothes or something because at some point she wakes up the next day and she's wearing a like a dude's dress shirt it's like what what is going on here? What did something know. happen? This is very like not talked about. It's like, why is it her? Is it hers dress shirt? Whose dress shirt is this? I'm assuming it might have been one of JP's. I don't know, but it's such, I don't know. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure JP, by the way, he dresses was not wearing that dress shirt. It was way too plain. It's fair. For JP. It's a fair point. Fair point. <laughs> uh, I, I will love to talk about JP's attire later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the red cowboy boots. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And the pants. I can't wait. After doing some investigating with Terry, Joey offers to let her stay there as long as she'd like. She's known her for like less than 24 hours when this happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so we are setting up that Ter- uh, Joey is extremely dumb and gullible, which is helpful later on in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, so we she's supposed to do some uncovering and she kind of basically just uncovers some backstory that is not important or essential to the story of this movie at all. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna, was any of that needed? No, I'm just going to wear where the thing came from, how it got to the store, who like none of that was necessary. It was total pointless. There was like no reason whatsoever to even mention the first two movies. They could have just called it Hellraiser yeah. Hell on Earth instead of Hellraiser 3 to like pretend yeah. like it's not a sequel. You could have cut so much of that out, but that was not in vogue at the time. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to fast forward to like some of my favorite Joey moments. So Joey runs into a church and screams about demons chasing her. 
and a priest tells her there's no such thing. And yeah. Pente- <laughs> it's just me or was that priest that actually came off at first creepy? Well, uh, let me ask you a question, Tim. We, we grew up Catholic. Yeah. Has a priest ever approached you and, and called you my child in your entire no. life, even when you were a child? No. Yeah. Also, like, the way he was smiling at her constantly... Like, and just this creepy look. I was like, oh, is this going to be Pinhead messing with her or something? That's what I thought it was going to be at first. Would have been far more interesting, but, you know, that's yeah, an adult, like, adult no, woman. Is... That would have been a giveaway that, that yeah, uh, if the priest is actually interested in her. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> like I said, Joey runs they into the church. They might be opening that up, by the way. Did you hear about that? They're talking about opening deacon positions up to women. Exciting stuff. <laughs> it's pretty big for the Catholic Church. They yeah. move at snail's paces. I mean, certainly do. So, like I said, Joey runs into the church, screams about demons chasing her. A priest tries to tell her that there's no such thing as demons. Yeah, Pinhead, metaphors. En- yeah, Pinhead enters the church. Joey turns around and deadpans. Then who the fuck? Then what the fuck is that? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, here we go. That's again. That's one of the great delivery lines. She's yeah. really good in that movie. In that Every part. time it's... she delivers a line to Pinhead, she kills it. She nails it. Mm-hmm. But then almost everything else is awful. I, I it's just the way the character is written. It, it really is. It's just not good. Okay. I mean, you know, I only know her from this. So maybe you know you obviously from. I guess she was good in Deep Space Nine. But... She was. She was one of the best characters in Deep Space Nine. It was a real yeah. bummer when she left the show. Yeah, because it's, it's not showing much in this. But that's what kind of threw me, because, again, it's like almost all at the end. Because the whole ending part of this movie is just action. which we'll It really to. is. It's why I have to bounce yeah. around so much. Like, and and so all of a sudden at the end, where you're just throwing these zingers at Pinhead, you're like, where was this the whole movie? Yeah, all of a sudden she has, like, I don't know. Um, she's just finally being proactive about everything. It's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, but yeah, Joey opens the box eventually and says, play with this, pinhead! Yeah. And the box sucks all the Cenobites to hell, and this marks the first time anyone in the franchise has called Pinhead, Pinhead. Yeah. So, good for you, Joey. Yeah. Uh, did it. Yeah. And yet, Joey is then in limbo, and her dad appears, saying he doesn't know why he's here, but he's been told she has something for him. Mm. And Joey's like, oh, I know what it is. It's a reward. Ah, and gives him the box, and it's like, yeah, you fucking away. It's like, you know, <laughs> Captain Elliot Spencer warned you that the only way he could get the box is if you gave it to him and you just fell for it. But it's OK, I guess, since we have established that she is a gullible moron. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, dad is actually Pinhead. And she's like, oh, you cheater. You looked into my mind. And it's like, yeah, yep. you were warned. <laughs> Grow up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, after escaping hell, uh, Joey is back on Earth and drops the lament configuration into some wet cement, which construction crews are known to leave lying around overnight all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not that wet, at least. No, no. Uh, time passes, and the building built over the side is decorated to look like the puzzle box from inside. Bum, bum, bum. Which, by the way, I believe that was Charlotte. Yes, on Tryon Street, a bank, one of the banks. Yeah. yeah. Which would have been interesting because they they do they try to go with a lot of like the building clearly has a similar aesthetic. Yeah, which as... does play into uh, Hellraiser Four. Oh, it does. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This this thread gets picked up in Hellraiser Four. Oh okay. All right. 
So that's, that's all I got to say about yeah. Joey because it's not. I, that's about it. Yeah, I agree. I gave her a one and a half. Wow, you went you went lower than me. Really? Would you go two? I went two. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I I mean I, it really is because I really did enjoy. I probably gave a full point higher or a half. What point the fuck higher. is that? Yeah. But, <laughs> It just the, the the lines uh that she throws at Pinhead I think are great. Um so I thought there was something there, but I it's kinda hard because like again, yeah, she was terrible. I don't think she's a bad actress in this movie. I think that the the, the character is terrible. And like she's just so little to do. So I'm like I'm giving yeah. you the half point because like you're not annoying, but man, there's just no, nothing yeah, I there. Could, I could leave the character very quickly too. Yeah. Um I could very, depending on the final score, I could easily come down here. But, mm, okay. Um, but we'll see what we do in the other categories because you're probably going to go higher in these other categories. Oh, you better believe it. Oh, no. oh, you better believe it. Yeah, so. So, villain. Villain. Pinhead. I also put JP in this category because he's kind of a villain for a portion of it. Sure. Okay. For more, most of the movie, he's a, he's a villain. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... After the events of the last movie, Pinhead has been split uh, from his original human soul and is now free from the rules of hell, but he's also stuck as a face in a statue. Which looks awful. I don't... You know what? I think most of the time it looks fine. It's still he talks that looks like something out of like... Yeah. He looks like an Alice in Wonderland TV special when he's talking out yep. of the thing. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Which is a decent amount, but yeah, like as as... As that's happening, as he's like slowly being freed from it or whatever, um, but it, it I, looks awful. Some of the best. I, it looks not great, no doubt. Uh, but he also delivers some of my favorite lines while he's stuck as a face in the statue too. So, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he has to just be like charming and coercive as he's doing it. Because yeah. he's, he's stuck, <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, um, it's amazing to be like, how close do you have to get to that thing? Jeez, like, because there's like, at one point, I'm like, why, why isn't he taking this person at this point? It looks pretty close, and then like, oh, he needs to be moved closer, and then you get this like long process of this character moving the person closer, and it takes way too long for this to happen. We'll get into that, yeah. So. Um, after the events, uh, oh, sorry, besides Chain Boy from the beginning of the, the movie, the first bit of evil Pinhead does is seemingly make the pseudo kinky sex JP has with a club goer more pleasurable. Diabolical! Is, is that what happens? Yeah. There's some, that whole sex scene is like, he's tied up, he's like, right. sort of, he's put her arms behind her and tied her up or whatever. That's, that's, right. that's kinky as it gets. So right. he's, he's plowing her, but he's like, having the best sex of his life and the way the movie is setting it up it's because the statue is in the room with them he's like oh well yeah they do oh. shoot it like it's in the background but i i was yeah. i thought it was like a lurking thing i didn't know it was actually doing anything because it's kind of far away for what pinhead apparently can and cannot do in that statue i don't know That's maybe he I can got. release pheromones further than hell chains i don't know <laughs> he seems to be having like a better time than usual At least he does have a weird um Jesus on a cross slash I'm the king of the world moment to climax, which I thought was really ridiculous. Hmm. So eventually, uh, Pinhead reveals himself after a bit of action, which we'll get into later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to JP. He reveals himself to JP. 
And JP yells, Jesus Christ! Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> That's his first bit of lines in the movie. Like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you probably enjoyed it because, again, I th- it looked so freaking awful that I had a hard time. Like, I guess some of these lines should deliver better, but he looks terrible. Well, I'll tell you, Doug Bradley did not have a good time as the statue because it was, like, so restricting and all he could do I was... Bet. Like, Stick out his face. In fact, that they changed the makeup for Pinhead entirely uh, when he was even out of the statue, so they make it easier to get on and off since he has so many scenes as a human. And yeah. they were shooting like long hours, and they wanted to get it all down. I honestly didn't think the makeup on Pinhead looked as good in this movie as it did in the first two. Yeah, he said it was easier to get on and off, uh, but he was also more uncomfortable. Uh, but the only thing that was good was that the he found someone who could make the black eye lenses uh, for his contacts not as painful, so he could wear them longer. Mm. Um, but anyway, so as he's like, he starts like putting the schmooze on on JP, and he tells yeah. him there is no good, there is no evil, there is only flesh and the patterns to which we submit it. Mm. Mm. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, JP doesn't care for Pinhead's pitch and threatens him with a gun. And that's what Pinhead points out. That, that's the same gun you used to kill your parents to get his inheritance. And JP like shoots Pinhead and Pinhead just spits out the bullets. It is a nice line to explain how, because JP is incredibly young yeah. to have this establishment in yeah. New York City as well. So it's this like... billion dollar property in New York City. Yeah, I appreciate this line. I, I like it. Yeah, so Pinhead's pitch to JP is if he helps him out with more bodies, blood, uh, which is fun considering this is the sort of same scenario as the first movie. Yeah, as this, uh, what's you know, I forget her name, Julia and Frank. Right. Uh, so Pinhead's pitch to JP is if he helps him out with more bodies, blood, he can have he can sit at his right side, flesh, power, dominion. Yeah, I meant the dominion line. Yeah, okay, there it is. Yeah. And he's convinced. He's not happy about it, but he seems convinced. He's like intrigued. He seems, yeah, he's intrigued, but he seems very unsure of it. I, I did. I, are we going to talk about JP at all here in the villain category? Is it just me that put him there? Where, where'd you put him in? Sidekick? Or an act? You just left him in action? I didn't have a ton. I kind of just more glanced upon him on action. But yeah, you want to go into JP? Let's go to JP. I, okay, yes. Please let us talk about JP. Okay, so... JP, we first see him showing up to this gallery. He's like the first thing you see in the movie with this horrible shot of the New York skyline type of thing. Such so, as it is, yeah. Yeah, such as it is. So I have no idea how we found this gallery. Oh, we know because uh, Terry found it. Terry found all of his art, and that's how she knows where the art gallery is. Terry told him about it, and that's oh, why he goes I must have missed there. that part. I must yeah. have missed that part. But it's interesting because even how she found it, right? Because like you find out later from like a random dude walking the street who lives in the neighborhood is like, yeah, this place is like a dump. It's never opened at all. Like it's just a like basically a tax shelter. That's all. It's it been is. closed like, for months. The owner is in Hawaii. Yeah, so it's like this weird thing. But anyway, so he like goes in. He's able to go into this thing in the middle of the night. It looks like and nobody's around. And he comes across the obelisk type of thing, right? And he's like, "Yeah, I'll buy it." And like, pillar you know, of souls. Yeah, the 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 this homeless owner looking dude is like, "Yeah, sure. How much ever you think it's worth, give it to me." Because you find out he's like, I guess he's buying whatever from closed down places, including mental institutions, hence the connection or whatever to the second one. Um, but like, 
J- the outfit that JV is wearing. Is, so he's got these he's got these cowboy boots with the red. the like red, red cowboy, cowboy boots. boots. Yeah, red cowboy boots with like metal like uh what are parts to it uh in the front like steel-toed metal type of stuff. Right. He's got striped pants on. Like it's close to freaking Beetlejuice. I think they're checkered, but yeah. Pretty positive they're striped because I was okay. fascinated by this. Okay. Yeah. Um it is the closest thing possible to a Hawaiian red shirt that on top true, yeah. of this. And like a brown leather jacket, a dark brown leather jacket too as well. And it is the most like insane freaking outfit. I was obsessed with it. I couldn't like, that's why I was like, no, it was striped. Cause it was like, it's basically Beetlejuice went Hawaiian, but not, <laughs> like the blacks and the whites are a little toned down. It was, it's insane. And they bring a lot of focus to the different parts of his outfit. So it, it, it was shocking to me. The camera stays on him for a while. Yeah, no it Nobody really moving. does. Because at first, like, I'm thinking this is the main character. This must be the reporter. Because I read something about a reporter. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> right? So I'm like, and then like, oh, where is this person? So I was kind of shocked later on when, when the person comes into the ER. I was like, oh, that must be him. And it wasn't. Because you don't get to see the guy's face. It's just a dark-haired face. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I don't know. But, um... So and and then later on, you come back to him and he's he's too cool for school and he's got this motive or he just sleeps around but he's clearly bored by everything. So as soon as he gets his fill, get out of here. And he's got the he's got everybody keeping roses for him in ice boxes to give ladies and apparently most ladies love it. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is another like a riff on the Frank character from the first movie. He's like he's only, yeah. he's only interested in pleasure, and that that of course always gets turned on your head if you are. That's all you're interested in. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, so JP is, um, he he's yeah he he's uses people. That's kind of his thing. He's definitely a user to get his own ends and his own means. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really awful to people so you kind of see in multiple scenes how he's kind of he's a horrible person yeah no he's garbage yeah anyway but he's which was interesting scene when pinhead comes you know alive to him you know because he's he's very like this is the most horrific thing ever. Like he's, you know, something happens that is pretty messed up, which we'll get into in action, but yeah. Yeah. But like, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just getting to the, the characterization part of it. Like, it's like, it's not, he does not seem like he looks out, look like he took more convincing from pinhead than Terry does later. Yeah. Which I just thought was interesting, but anyway, carry on. Okay. Um, I'm going to fast forward through stuff just because... Uh, action stuff. Yeah, a lot of this is a- becomes action. It's a lot of action in this movie. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay. So much later on, there is a confrontation between uh, Joey. Sorry, I forgot the name for a second. Joey mm-hmm. and Pinhead in the club. And uh, Pinhead's oh, it's unbearable, isn't it? The suffering of strangers. Agony of friends. I, I just, I love this stuff. <laughs> and then maybe my favorite bit of dialogue for him uh, in this movie. Don't debate with me, girl. Just come here and die while you still have the option of doing it quickly. 
I yeah, I do like that one. But I'm uh, the I man, love the I, head. There were there are some times too though I wish they took better shots or camera angles of it too because um he looks too small at times and not that menacing. Uh, I don't know. Doug Bradley has always looked like I'm, I don't want to go anywhere near that guy. Uh, but well, yeah, yeah with sure I guess with the makeup and such, but he's he just doesn't he's look 5'11". like... He's 5'11". just never looks that intimidating, I feel, at times. And I feel like... And I don't think it's necessarily him. I think it's the way he shot sometimes in this movie because it's not the case in other movies. Well, you know, I think Terry Farrell is actually a very tall woman because she was a former model. So that probably made things more difficult. Yeah, she's she's actually a little same size or a little taller than him. By like I, but I don't even think it's necessarily the two of them next to each other. I just think like sometimes they take these really big wide shots of him with mm. these monstrous sets around him, so not, he doesn't look very big. Yeah, and the camera is like a like maybe six inches above him. Right. And so you're right. You're not wrong. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like they did a much better job of making him look way more freaking menacing because in the everything first two in the movies. first two movies is all low angle shots You're yeah not wrong, and actually. very yeah. like tight in and stuff like that and like oh my gosh yeah and intense in the voice modulation and the way he's speaking and and i think this one it's way more pulled back um you, it, again way too much space and it he seems to be sauntering more and have and, and playful, which is fun. But at the same time, I think it actually toned down his, how intimidating he should be. Hmm. So that was my drawbacks to it. Okay. Uh, so Pinhead creates a new army of Cenobite friends. Yeah, quick. Which I, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, first, you got Doc, Joey's cameraman. Uh, he gets transformed into like camera eye Cenobite. Yeah. Uh, he can make explosions with his camera eye. Or shove it through a dude's head like a xenomorph. Yeah. <laughs> How quickly what, did the doctor in two? He became a Cenobite pretty quickly, didn't he? Yeah, via Julia. Yeah, that was her yeah. fault. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just curious because like I, it almost seemed like in the remake one they made it more of like a process you had to go through or something. So I don't know if there's a change in the remake one. I don't know because that was like the dude's thing that he gets at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just uh, curious. <laughs> And then you got uh, the club DJ, which, by the way, it was like the guy playing the DJ was a pizza delivery guy and UNCG uh, student. <laughs> That's great. Who just showed up one day and they're like, yeah, this will work. <laughs> you like your look? Yeah, he got paid like 400 bucks. <laughs> That's cool. And they like, he, had, he had some like some screen time too. And they, so. they, yeah, I know it's a while. Literally got four hundred bucks. He's in yeah. the movie. They they put trading cards and everything out there. Uh, he didn't see anything for that movie, but wow. Uh, he still works in like on Charlotte as some kind of like sound engineer guy. Um. So anyway, he gets transformed into CD head Cenobite. Maybe my favorite Cenobite in the entire franchise. No, not maybe. Definitely my favorite Cenobite in the entire franchise. He ejects CDs from his chest and throws them at victims. Yeah, he's and, like a weird Cenobite version of Gambit. And he has the funniest damn look on his face. It's like, I'm not sure what they did to his mouth, but it's like they, they zipper into like this like nonplussed look on his face the whole time. 
<laughs> it cracks me up every time I see it. He also makes robot noises as he moves. It's so like, funny. It's, and it's, it sounds like something that uh, Winslow from Police Academy would do. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is the most '90s Cenobite, and I just yeah. I adore him. It's it's pretty bad. It's uh, pretty horrific. I know it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then you got the bartender. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, because you talked to me about the CD one previously. You were excited about the CD one, and I'm watching this movie. I'm like, I, I the hell with the CD guy. What is going on with this bartender? Because this is this is this is insane. <laughs> Well, this is like, funny. At one point, I'm like, "What is? Wait, why does why does he have a shaker? Why, why, why is he walking around with a shaker for?" Well, this is a character uh, played by the writer Peter Atkins. Oh my gosh! They, per they, requests, please no, let me be the set of white. <laughs> no, it was more like we can't. We they were scared to have uh, Tony Wilcox on set by himself, guiding <laughs> the Hellraiser. Yeah. So they wanted somebody who had been like with the franchise for the entire time. So they wanted to keep the screenwriter on set, but they're like, we can't afford you to have you there the whole time. Oh, so wow. the only way we could have you for it was, you're going to have to play a part. So they had him play this bartender wow. and the makeup they put on him. It's like, they put like a baby's head on yeah. him, like covered in like barbed wire. And like you said, he, he's holding it's the most unrecognizable shaker. most unrecognizable cenobite to like the actual person earlier in the movie yeah uh because <laughs> that's fascinating because to me i thought it was a different was like is this a completely different person playing the cenobite version because no it's, it's weird it's peter atkins in the suit uh yeah. the same guy who was playing the bartender before that like had the flaming drink because he uh, also makes him bigger and all it like he just yeah it's it so different yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like, fine, I'll do it, but make me completely unrecognizable. <laughs> I'm sure it helped. Uh, is, anyway, so yeah, he can like spit fire and he has like this the shaker mixer, which he is filled with ga- gasoline, which he can throw at cops and light them and on fire blow later. stuff up, yeah. Beautiful collection of Cenobites. Just <laughs> honestly, just so perfectly 90s. Yeah, and, and JP so. and Terry also turn into Cenobites. Yeah, I was going to get to well. them in a minute. but, uh, yeah. but it, So, like, there's that scene, like we mentioned before, a priest uh, holds up a crucifix to Pinhead when he meets him. Like, yeah. he's a vampire, and Pinhead says, Thou shalt not bow down before any graven image. And then he melts the, <laughs> the crucifix onto the priest's hand. Yeah. And it just, like, you know, it becomes, like, this, like, melted metal fist. Which I have to say, there's there's some bad effects. That one wasn't bad. Yeah, and then Pinhead goes to the church's altar just to like he's like strutting at this point. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just putting on a show. Yeah, he takes pins out of his head and stigmatizes himself and says, "I am the way." <laughs> then, <laughs> Breaks all the stained glass. Yeah, the stained glass mirrors explode, and he's like, <laughs> "It's so great." I feel like that was kind of like the big calling card for this movie. I feel like that was like a big moment. That was a big moment in the trailer for sure. Yeah. And then he like goes up to the priest and forces him to eat his flesh. He's like, this is my body. This is my flesh. Those who suffer from it. (laughs) Great happiness, whatever. And then he quits screwing with him the moment he realizes that Joey's opened the box. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few. There's a couple of moments of that where like, oh, oh. I'm getting too I'm getting too yeah. caught up with all the fun mm, I'm having. It's ruining my fun. <laughs> uh, 
So then Joey runs away to a construction site from the church, like I said, filmed at Wake Forest University. Yeah. And runs into Cenobite oh, JP, geeks. who has like a couple of pistons running through his head. Yeah. It's really weird. It is. And Cenobite Terry. Uh, and they talk trash and beat on her a little. They're not there long enough. It's really kind of no, a bummer. It is. It is really short-lived. But I get, we kind of like, I guess we'll get that in action. And that's all I want to talk about in this part of the category. I, I gave yeah. it a four, villain. I, I love it. Yeah, I went three. Okay. I went three. I, I, I agree. There's just some iconic pinhead stuff. I, they just really let Doug Bradley eat in this movie, and it's great. And, I mean, he's... Especially the first two movies. Like, your biggest complaint with the first movie, when you saw it for the first time, was like, yeah, where's no Pinhead? Pinhead? Yeah, he's barely <laughs> he thought in he was it. the iconic character. And this is the first movie in the franchise that just lets Where him he go really nuts. Is. Yeah, he really just gets to go. And he, you're right. You're totally right. And that's why and I it's, gave it a three. And it's the best part of the movie. And he's so good. It is. There, there's just... It was... He's iconic. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just... Ah, man. Until he's released I, again, there was there's I hate everything in the statue. No, oh. um, I thought it just looked so bad. It just it just distracted me from everything. Um, <laughs> okay. And and then again, as much as I I thought he was great, it just it was like the 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 voicing's a bit off. The way he shots a bit off. It's like man, if they could have only just did this but recapture some of the stuff from two and one, it just bugged me and that's I, what maybe detracted probably from a four to a three that's why he's not a five for me fair enough um we'll see final score but yeah i went three okay so action so a dude is brought into the er at the beginning of the movie we convention yeah uh he's on a gurney with hell chains attached and dragging behind his body Dra- the, yeah it's the only time i've seen the hell chains this far away from like I know, like, how are they still else? there? It, and they still it's can, weird. like, make some damage because... It's because the weird thing is, too, because, like, nobody can see what's going on. Like, there's a lot of, like, you're getting tortured by something that no one else is seeing type of stuff, but somehow they can see the chains. So it's a really weird uh, cake-and-eating-it-too situation if that doesn't make sense. It's really but, bizarre. Yeah, uh, I was wondering, too, when because she gets cut. By yeah, one I was gonna say chains. one of the one of the, the chains barely touches Joey and cuts her ankle, and it looks like oh this will play an important part later. Nope. My only thinking, right, and I have to do my own galaxy brain stuff. Oh no. My, oh, I'm sorry, but my only thinking is, is this the reasoning on why and how she can commune with the captain later in the movie? Because otherwise, it makes no sense that connection at all. Good as excuse as any, I guess. But you uh, admit the connection with the captain later with the good pinhead, whatever, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's just like exposition dump. Like we, we need someone. Yeah, to but like, the how is get... she able to commune? Why, no, what is the rules? It doesn't. None of it makes sense. So, so that's how, kind of how I was like, okay, maybe that. I don't know. I don't know. Captain Elliot Spencer doing his rebel radio. I got to break through from limbo. Yeah. Kirsty <laughs> stole the truth. Kirsty stole the truth. And I'm out. <laughs> cool um <laughs> so when when they get the guy in the or the hell chains come alive and electrocute yeah. and pull apart causing him to explode yeah actually i think oh, it's only his head that explodes you might be right but it's still it's like well that's very aggressively on earth that everyone can see i don't know yeah it's, it's and everybody's weird. 
Everybody's it, horrified, but I guess it's kind of like, well, none of us can explain what we just saw, so I guess we won't say anything. I don't yeah, know. everyone goes about their lives except for Joey, which is like, okay. <laughs> can we can we slightly backtrack and and talk about that nurse? The, the, it's like setting up something in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where like, right. like it's supposed to be a dream sequence, like something bad's going to happen. She's pulling out the most horrific tools possible one yeah. by one and they make like they're having this horrible dialogue as usual with the cameraman and it's really bad but then they would break from it to show the nurse which you won't ever see her face during this sequence pulling out a tool one at a time so at first I was like okay is this going to be a Cenobite like getting the person now or something I don't know right like Cenobite with a wig that would have been hilarious I don't know but it was terrible but it led to nowhere like it was just oh break done that was it it was like why? What was the setup of setting up the tools? What was that? I, <laughs> I, I really don't know. Um, it was bad. I, <laughs> I, I thought the paper mache head explode was okay, although it was no. Very I like that, but you're right about the nurse. I thought it was going to be like revealed to be Lin Shay or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was stupid because it's um, a dimension film. <laughs> and the electricity looks really stupid. Yeah, but, well, it's, that's classic '90s electricity stuff. Yeah, I guess to me, it, it, that seemed more late '80s. Like I, but I guess it's still only '92, so I don't know. I guess yeah, I we need to move on. Benefit. We got more benefit of the doubt. Yeah, go to more interesting stuff. Sorry. So, uh, club owner JP takes a stroll through his club in nothing but his robe and red cowboy boots. He loves those boots. He loves those boots, man. When he notices his new statue has a hole in it. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, this is where the the box was. Yeah, the lament configuration was ripped out of the statue by the the club owner, uh, who went to the OR a minute ago. Anyway, he reaches inside the hole for some reason, and a which rat Cherry might... had, by the way, in her possession. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he was box. the box was laying next to the body when he, she found him outside the club. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he reaches inside the hole, and a rat bites the fuck out of him. Blood flies yeah. everywhere, and the statue absorbed the blood. Well, that uh, rat really bit down because he he like could not get the rat off of him. And there was first. a lot of blood. It's like yeah. wow, yeah, that rat hit a vein. Uh, <laughs> but like the statue absorbs the blood, and JP is freaked out, intrigued, which is why it ends up in his room later. Yeah, it's like wow, that would not have been my move, but okay. No, yeah, he's more intrigued than than horrified by it. Yeah. So as we mentioned before, JP is hooking up with this girl that he found in the club. Yep. With his classic uh, rose, with his classic rose move, yeah, move, yeah. And after he's done having sex with her, he tells her to get, get take a hike. Like, yeah, I'm, go uh, get out. I'm of here. not interested in actually talking to you. Legit, and, get raises his voice like, get out. I don't care. Basically. Yeah, it's like I'm just not interested. Uh, and she goes re- fair nuclear. I mean, it's you know calls him out for being a piece of shit that he is. Yeah. And then the hell chains pop up out of the statue, like out of nowhere, and rip off her skin from her body. Just a yeah. franchise favorite move. And then swallows her whole. Yeah. Drags her in. And now Pinhead is available for a chat. And it's a cool effect. Part of it is. And this is a thing that this movie has a problem with. And it's like it starts off with some really gnarly cool stuff, but then goes, ooh, I want to mess with this new technology. And it's just, oh, then it doesn't work. And they try to blend the two together. 
like her getting sucked in and all that that like they started off really good yeah and then her getting sucked in and stuff it's like oh that looked terrible yeah skin fling looks great uh sucked in less so and there's i feel like there's a lot of that throughout this whole movie but it's still like so messed up at the same time you're like yeah it's yeah good. Funny enough, it, uh, it had me enough on the skin fling it, that I was able to be like, oh, you know, it didn't end it great. But yeah, after the skin fling, it's not the same actress in, the oh, skin, really? in like the, the, the flesh suit. It's actually yeah. Paula Marshall. Oh, I really? Guess, yeah, I guess they wanted to make her seem smaller and she was a more diminutive actress or something hmm. uh, since her flesh had all been ripped off. But yeah. Yeah. It also might have been part of a reshoot thing because according to Clive Barker, that was like he was unhappy with the original cut and he added a bit more gore and that was one of the scenes he supposedly added. Um, well, it worked. I, it's a good scene. I like it. It's a good scene. Again, it doesn't end well, but good good scene. Uh, so later on, uh, Jer- JP gets Terry to come back to his apartment. And yeah. He, he tries Which, to... I liked it. As much as... I thought there was plenty of bad JP. Um he's got this thing where he should be on the outsiders or something at times. Um, but I kind of enjoyed the parts where he was kept going to the statue and being like, come to daddy, which is kind of a fun callback. But yeah, to the first movie. Yeah. Uh, he's he's trying to sweet talk her into being next to the statue and, and Terry resists and keeps on resisting. And then he's like, screw this. And he starts, he just says like, I'm going to force you. And it starts, uh, trying to drag her over and she like manifests like brass knuckles out of nowhere yeah and, like lays his ass out yeah and like skin and, and pinhead is like screaming throughout this like ah give me food ah, whatever <laughs> which again is over the top and is actually really bad it i love really, it it sucked me out it really did it was so bad but once once he realizes man jp is done uh he's like dairy wait <laughs> and starts talking yeah. with her and it's like I can make you dream again, right? Because this now is a callback to the weird dream thing she says earlier. So yeah, she's like, I've never had a dream in my life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what a horrible life you have. Yeah, can't dream. What a bummer. Uh, uh, anyway, she he basically offers her the same deal. Uh, to, <laughs> I'll let you dream. Baby. You could dream the rest you of just, your life. Come on, kick this body over to me. Yeah. Haven't so you she, always wanted to dream? Let so me like, help me Paul eat this. Paul Marshall beat. weighs like 110 pounds and yeah. is having trouble pushing JP over to the statue. And like you said, we I think dwell it's on it. We dwell on it for so long. It's so funny, especially since she's crying the whole time and she's doing it. He's like, ah, I can't, this isn't working. This isn't working. It's like, screw it. She like lays down if and starts like kicking the body. If it was a horror over. comedy, this would be amazing. I. You're not wrong, but I, I still make it's, you laugh. It's not, it's not good. It's really bad, and it dwells way too long on this. Eventually, like, she, she kicks the body over to the statue, and that's where JP wakes up. He's like, wait, no! And then the hell chains pop out, starts getting into the flesh, and then these pistons appear out of nowhere, and these pipes just like pop through his brain. Yeah. End of JP. And she's about to walk away. Uh, Is that supposed to be because of the sex obsession thing that he's got? The pistons ramming through? Is that kind of the thing, the metaphor they're going with, I guess? Yeah, that seems right. Okay. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> this frees Pinhead from the Pillar of Souls. And yeah. and Terry's about to run away, but then Pinhead's like, well, offers his hand. He's like, come on, baby. <laughs> Time for your reward. Yeah. And we don't see Terry until much later when she turns into to be a Cenobite as well. 
Yeah, this is a real long way because I remember at one point taking the note like as she's getting chased through the street kind of deal being like, where, what happened? What happened to Terry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Like, what's, what, do we get an answer to this? It's because we like Paula Marshall and she should have been more in the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pinhead makes all the weird sculptures in the club come alive then. Yeah. It was kind of weird when the baby doll starts moving. I'm like, wait a minute. Did that just move? Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my favorite bit in the movie. Um, he makes all this weird sculptures come alive. And then all of a sudden an explosion out of nowhere causes the bartender. Uh, played by Peter Atkins, uh, to go flying across the room. Then Pinhead shows himself to the room and announces, shall we begin? Yeah. And then he has a nice laugh. Everybody freaks out. Well, everyone freaks out and yeah. screams, and then hell chains start go flying everywhere. And I love the right. one dude who like grabs the hell chain it's either coming for his face or his girlfriend's face. Yeah. But, but it's like he has this like kung fu move where he grabs the chain. Catches it. Yeah. And then the chain just rips back and takes off his fingers. Like, oh, yep. it was a nice move there, guy. <laughs> there is so much that happens in this scene. Oh, it's so that great. I have to pause multiple times to yeah. take notes because I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh, I missed that. Hold on. Wait. And then I'm pausing again. One guy gets immediately impaled by a flying pool, pool cue out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, my favorite might be is the ice in a woman's drink turns into vapor mass. So, like, Pinhead's head. And then turns into an ice knife and then goes through her throat. Actually, I hated that part because that looked awful. <laughs> it's so funny. Because you, you cut away, too. like Because you have to. It almost looks like special effects, the golden but... child knife. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's like, it just it just floats up and then it turns into it and then it turns into a, the knife and then it cuts away and you see her falling with the thing in her mouth already. <laughs> I, don't, I thought that was awful. I thought that looked really bad. Um... I think the bartender gets the uh, the barbriar over the face. The, the 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 DJ gets CDs in the head. That also looked awful, by the way. The Ooh. flying CDs thing. <laughs> no, come on. It's just it's just so. I get it. Everybody's excited at this time period to start to use these kind of effects, and it's it's really bad. Uh, it's really, really bad. I really like the part where that used at one point you see the chain that goes through like three or four people. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of connects them all. It's like, oh, that looked kind of cool. You like know, a like, conga line. Yeah, like I, I, all the practical looking stuff looked really cool and gnarly. I agree. And then every time they try to throw in this, you know, the CGI stuff, and it is rough. Um. New York Yankee designated hitter Danny Tarble gets a hell chain flying up from a pool pocket into his face. Uh, <laughs> I, lo- I read about this because wasn't he on the Yankees at this time? He was, yeah. They, they <laughs> showed a clip of this movie during a Yankee game. And I was like, what the f- is going on? <laughs> and I'm like nine years old at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so this is what caused my obsession with Hellraiser. And it's funny how long it took me to finally work up the courage to watch it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I watched a Hellraiser before you did. You and did. And then you went off. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you're wrong about the first Hellraiser. This is great. Well, because uh, again, as we talked about, I was kind of like, wait, where was Pinhead? And yeah, you're expecting to be of, another Freddy Krueger. Yeah, So it was basically, everyone in the club is slaughtered. And we see yeah. the blood oozing out from beneath the... Uh, the club doors, the locked I club doors. I did like that. It had almost like a shining feel to it. You just see more and more blood coming out. And I think you do hear more the screaming going. Yeah, you hear the, the chains screams. and screaming. It's great. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, a pinhead tries to grab the lament configuration from Joey, but it's shocked away. 
uh, and she runs out of the club and down the street. And she is attacked then by like exploding manholes, electrified water, and hell chains from the sewers. Yeah. And this like, feels like the, the core maybe... is almost moving on their own to try to electrocute her too, but yeah. Yeah, this feels like the maybe the most expensive scene in the movie. Probably was. Because yeah. you had to shut it all down. Excuse me, you had to shut it down for all that. Yeah, this is Greensboro in October, and I'm assuming it's like, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning or something when they're able to do Probably. this. Probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so later on, you got uh, Spencer appearing in limbo with Pinhead. And. Joey, uh, and, and he begins taunting Pinhead, says, we're going to hell, Spencer says. And Pinhead responds with, ladies first, and begins transforming <laughs> uh, Joey into a uh, Cenobite. Yeah. And he tries, tries to seduce uh, Cenobite with like, you know you love it. You miss it. It's great. Um, <laughs> Spencer grabs Pinhead, and they merge together into like a gnarly bit of practical effects. I liked it. I think it looked really cool. It, it again had a cool part of practical to it, but then when it started to mix in the CG stuff, it just it ended it's, up looking so bad. There's so quick flashes that they know it doesn't look great. So I, yeah. I think it's like, it's like a 90, 80, 20, a 90, 10, 80, 20 something situation of practical versus CGI. Yeah. Or whatever you would call the ghost kind of effects, digital effects at the time. Right, right. But I think it works. It's um, probably one of the better moments. Like it's definitely better than the CD guy getting CD'd. Yeah, if that's a thing. Uh, now merged as one pinhead, <laughs> the one true pinhead. Yeah. Janet turns to Joey and says, "Now where were we?" Yeah. But then but at this point, she was freed and starts messing with the box. Yeah. Pinhead morphs into Spencer again and tells Joey to open the box and send them to hell. And Joey opens the box and it transforms into a knife, which she stabs yeah, like Pinhead with and out. sends him to hell and her back home. Yeah. So I gave action a four. I loved all the gore. I uh, I was always really excited when I saw some some nastiness. Wow. It was good. Um, I went three. Okay. Yeah, I went def- three. Definitely going to have some different scores for this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it, it definitely got gnarly and practical, but I thought there was also some really bad stuff with, with, with the CG type of stuff, with everything in the obelisk. It, it just, there was some rough moments with it too mm. I, I, I enjoyed most of the stuff in the obelisk I'm not gonna lie it doesn't bother me okay <laughs> terrible but alright fair enough alright sidekick mentor yeah this is another low scoring one yeah the closest thing this movie has to sidekick is Terry played by Paula Marshall right uh, It's what's weird about her is that she's basically everyone's sidekick in this movie yeah she starts off first she's like JP's girlfriend and is basically, but you don't see that really. No, uh, but it's basically a homeless club girl. Yeah, and then she helps Joey investigate and becomes her sidekick, and is frankly a little better at investigating than, than Joey is. Yeah, I mean, and she's really just interested in in someone that seems to have such a better life than her, and wanting it seems almost like a jealousy and wanting that life and being a part of it type of deal. Seems yeah. so thrilled to be able to stay there, and she burns breakfast. Yeah, and well, eventually she, she becomes uh, Pinhead's lackey. Uh, yeah, um, which so, she like smokes like two times in the movie, and then they give her like a tracheotomy with a cigarette coming 
<laughs> she was the Fangoria uh, magazine uh, visited the set for this movie, and they said like everyone was getting along great. The only complaints we heard was from Paula Marshall in these night shoots, where she's in Cenobite gear and she's like, "I am freezing my ass off. Like this is mm. not keeping me warm enough." And it's funny enough, even the people who were covered head to toe were like. This is not warm enough. I am the, the CD Cenobite guy when they were interviewing him years later. Was like, all I remember is how bad the suit smelled and how cold I was during those night suits. Wow. Night I wonder what time they filmed it then. They uh, filmed it in October. Was it, that cold? It, uh, I guess in 1992, October in North Carolina was very cold, and it was probably I guess, the, like second like two o'clock. Yeah, in the again, if it's probably two o'clock in the morning, it's kind of cold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like you mentioned, Terry burns the fuck out of breakfast as a thank you to Joey for letting her stay. Yeah. And tells her where JP got the statue. And um, she, she gives her the lament configuration uh, that she got from Chain Boy um, after he broke it off and got messed up. Uh, let's see where else. She then breaks into the art gallery so she and Joey can investigate. And finally, yeah. she's the one who finds the records of where the art gallery found yeah, the statue. True. The Chenard Institute. Fun call back to part two. She also referred to herself as a breakfast version. That's right. There it is. Want to throw it out of there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry gets seduced to open the lament configuration, but JP calls her and invites her back with him. Uh, well, she was going to turn it down. Until she hears a, another phone call, and it turns out that Joey's getting a job from somewhere completely different after she was asked to stay. Monterey. And I'm yeah. like laughing at this, like, come on, Pinhead, really? Like, what reporter is leaving New York to go to Monterey? Yeah. That's not a thing. <laughs> it's kind of a weird, yeah, yeah. Kind of a weird thing. But it doesn't matter because I don't, as much as she seems to be the one that's like uncovering things, she's clearly depicted as not being that smart. No. Or gullible herself. True. So. So, yeah, like I said, she gets seduced by Pinhead and turns into a Cenobite and doesn't get a lot of screen time. As a Cenobite, she gets sucked in. No, very short. Her and and JP are both pretty short. Yeah. Because they come up together. And they just all they do is kick her around, and that's it. Like they yeah, don't have burn any. Her a little. And, yeah. yeah, they don't have anything near as fun as the other Cenobites get to do. No. Yeah. So I gave it a one and a half. I did too. Yeah. Yep. That's Paul exactly Marshall what I gave. is not bad. I would would have liked to have seen more of her. She's fun to look at. Um, much like just, Carrie Farrell, but she's a pretty lot good there. actress. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much there. Uh, so my final score for this movie is an eleven. I have it at nine and a half. Okay. Yeah. This is a separate score. I'm not. I'm messing around. <laughs> You're not messing around. I, you got listen, it at eleven. Yeah. So you have this movie over Kronos. Kronos is a better movie. It is. Yeah. Okay. I, I hope you realize that. One hundred percent. Kronos is a better movie. Uh, I I don't care. I love this movie still. Okay. Uh, it is. You know. I recognize. I know, recognize all its flaws. I have okay. not. <laughs> dismissive of its flaws but what works man works great and i love it so much for what the stuff that really works great all right all right well i have it um as a nine and a half so i have it as the fourth and i have his third so i mean i guess it's not too i mean i mean hey we still have it both kind of like in the top five so it's not too crazy yeah 
Like um, I, you were making me feel like it was we were like going to be way off from each other. I was sure you were going to destroy the whole thing. So well, yeah, because well, you know how I feel about this kind of a genre of horror. Like it's not exactly my thing. Um. So really, yeah, it's just that Hellraiser and Kronos is flipped for us. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So. Uh. So I already actually kind of dropped in most of my little tidbits throughout this. Uh, or what we've talked about already. But this movie was filmed back-to-back with Children of the Corn 2. Uh, the same film crew worked on both movies. They, they did Children they of the Corn 2 right after North this. They filmed both in Carolina? Would yeah. yeah oh, were, really? Same crew. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know there was more North Carolina movies. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and then a uh, budget of $5 million, which is a little under $11 million today. This movie had a worldwide gross of $12.5 million, uh, a little under $27.5 million today. Uh, when it came out, it debuted in third place with $3.2 million. And it lost to Sneakers in its first week of release. And Honeymoon, I guess that's fair. Honeymoon in Vegas in its second. Ah, I have a weird, <laughs> weird thing uh, for that movie. In its fifth week of release was Pet Cemetery 2. Oh, wow. In the same uh, weekend. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm sorry. Fifth week of release, Pet Cemetery came in seventh place. Anyway, but yeah, there you go. So that's everything for Hellraiser 3. It's not the best Hellraiser movie, but no, I love it so. Love is strong, but but yeah, I mean, heck, I have to say, right? I definitely liked it more than I, than I thought. Mm. Like, I thought it was going to be way cheesier bad, but... <laughs> It's wrong. fun. Plenty, it's, plenty it's of fun. bad there, but there is there it's is definitely enough fun there. But yeah, hats off to Doug Bradley, who is just awesome. <laughs> um, so my choice for next week. Yeah, yeah. Now that because you said it was dependent on how I was going to go sway with this movie. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I need your help this weekend putting together a table. Uh, so I am. This is and, and, and you were very help. You were very nice to this movie. Uh, I thought you were going to be yeah. mean. And so, this is going to be difficult too because it's coinciding with horror movie weekend for us. Our tradition begins. Yeah. People are not are going to hear this after our tradition, so who knows? We we we've talked about maybe bonus episodes. We'll see if that ends up happening. But uh, we do start our tradition of picking like two horror movies every weekend the whole month of October. So that we watch together. That we watch together. Those we watch together. Yes. So we'll see. Uh. So I decided to be nice, and we're okay. going to be fun. Uh, we're going to go with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, uh, okay. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, I wasn't sure because we were kind of worried we did too many uh, horror comedies and fun horror, so I wasn't sure we were going to go back to one in a while. There's still so many to go through. Yeah, I don't know about that many. It doesn't feel like a lot to me, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. Well, it depends on how you... <laughs> uh, yeah, there's still a few. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's still so that Army of Darkness, uh, Death Becomes Her, Lawnmower yeah, Man, really. Yeah, there, I mean, there's on. a... Well, Sleepwalkers. <laughs> those, but I don't know if those ones are purposely funny. Vamp- Buffy is purposely, and Army oh, no. is purposely funny. Well, the only one who's not purposely funny is Lawnmower Man. Yeah, 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 for sure. The rest are purposely funny. Sleepwalkers purposely funny? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm excited. You know, I, I, I haven't revisited in a while, so I'm, I'm about two thumbs up. Yeah, I thought you did. Ooh, ah, ooh. Yes. 
All right, people. Love. love you. Dude. I know. Love you. Yep. All right. All right, man. That is it for us. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or if you happen to listen to the show. Also, sharing is caring. Be sure to follow us on social media to get the latest show updates. You can contact us by emailing at filmbrochamp at gmail.com or find us by searching for the hashtag filmbrochamp. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Film Bros Championship Podcast. Peace out, everyone. I am the way.